0: Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Bibles ...with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and beginning in verse 35 is what will be this morning. This and next week, the calling to serve. And what that really kind of looks like in our lives, this, this call that we have to be servants of the Lord. What that would look like at your household. What that would look like at your church, your fellowship. What that would look like in our community and uh, at your job or on your team or in your class. To see your life really, I, I think, is the idea behind uh, the, the messages that Jesus spoke to his disciples, and in particular here in March Gospel chapter 10. To see your life as a servant because that's really a core distinctive of the Christian life. It's one of the core things that you're called to if you are a follower of Jesus. And this isn't volunteerism. This is having the heart of a a humble servant that's really serving before an audience of one. As Jesus got closer to the cross, he was speaking to his disciples about what it meant to live an other-centered life and, and, and taking some time with them to instill what it means to be in ministry for them, what it meant to be an apostle and a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And, and, and the disciples were, it really just reflects human nature. As Jesus is making his way to the cross, they're having conversations about Who's the greatest among them? The 12 disciples are having an argument like, oh, no, no, I think that I'm actually greater. No, 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 I think that I've got an edge on you. And in particular, this conversation that happened between two disciples and Jesus, the others got wind of it, and the two disciples' mother. It tells us in Mark. In fact, if you're there with me, Mark 10, verse 35, it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came up to Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory or in your kingdom. They saw a throne very soon in the life of Jesus, is their interpretation of what was going on. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism that I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. They had a righteous anger, if you would, about them, partially because they were kind of late to the party. Oh, dang it, we should have asked first. And Jesus called them all to himself, and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Notice what Jesus says, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now the background before this conversation is they're getting closer and closer to Jesus giving up his life for all of us on the cross was that he had been giving them messages. Guys, we're going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of the Gentiles. He's going to be beaten and mocked and spit upon. And he's going to die on a cross. And three days later, he'll rise from the dead. Jesus had that conversation no less than three times with the disciples, and yet they missed it completely. Here they are having a conversation with Jesus saying, in your kingdom, we want to sit at your right hand and your left. And yet, they missed it, the whole idea of Jesus coming to this planet, and what he was calling them to do as followers of Christ, to be servants. Again, core to the Christian faith is this call to be a servant, to live a selfless life. And that's a work, by the way, that happens within us. It's not natural for us. It's a work that God does in our hearts as we get closer and closer to him he begins to change our lives. He begins to help us to see people in, in a different light. It, it's, last week I talked about that, you know, uh, the, the, the way to Christ is not trying to live a holy life. The way to a holy life is Jesus Christ, knowing him more. The closer you get to him, the more these things become a part of your life, these core distinctives of being a servant. You start to see needs differently. You decide that you're going to step up and meet those needs. You choose to lay your life down for the benefit of others. Let me add, with the right motives. That's a very distinct thing when it comes to actually giving of your time and your life that you and I realize that we're actually serving before an audience of one, that we're not serving for the applause of humanity. It's really about Him and our love for Jesus. It ought to compel us to do it before an audience of one. Seeking greatness means something totally different in the eyes of God. You look around our world right now, you look around at people that you work with, we even look within our own hearts, and we see self-promotion. We might see acts of service with the motive to be seen by others, and people say, oh, wow, what a servant you are, right? We call that strings attached, right? Have you ever, like, some some of your parents or like have a, they're like a ninja with strings attached, right? Uh, the, the, they have a master's degree with strings attached. After all that we've done for you, like, oh, please stop, right? I don't want you to continue to do that. We serve with a string attached to it. Many serve to gain the applause of humanity. Man, we need to make sure that we don't fall into that trap. That's where the Pharisees parked their lives. Jesus tells us in the the Sermon on the Mount that the Pharisees, they did all of their righteous acts. They're praying, they're fasting, they're giving so that they might be seen by others. Jesus told us, when you pray, go into your closet. When you give, don't let your right hand to know what your left hand is doing. It's an audience of one. Within each one of us, our fallen nature, we can fall right in with the disciples who spent three years with the servant Savior. Life from the beginning. What the first word that you learned. Actually my son just got the book at his uh, at the baby shower, uh, the book by Jimmy Fallon, dada, right? Cuz that's going to be like, you know, apparently I'm going to be saying papa over and over again so that that's my grand Did you, I'm not having a baby. Let me clarify for those of you who are new here at <laughs> RVC. I'm done. We had any meeny, miny we don't want no mo, but we have a granddaughter that's arriving sometime in the near future. And uh, dad, dad, mama. You know what your second word was that you learned? Mine. 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 We're selfish by nature. We love ourselves so much. I may be dating myself right now, but do you, you guys know uh, Janet Jackson? I remember she had a song, "What Have You Done What for Me Lately." and then I'm not going to do the dance move because I couldn't do it in the 80s and I can't do it now. But Miss Jackson wrote that song, What Have You Done For Me Lately. It infects us. It infects the way people look at church as well. Oh, I don't want to go to that church because of this. Or it's like a Goldilocks. You know, oh, that church is too warm or that church is too cold. Whatever it is, it's like, oh, just right. It's called the meat church. Man, it affects so much of our lives. See, the disciples were not thinking about their role and their calling to serve the masses, but being significant, being great in their own eyes and being seen as great in other people's eyes. They saw thrones in the near future with Jesus. They saw their connectedness to him as a way to the top, not an opportunity to impact others. So they went to Jesus. Matthew's gospel says that the mom was really involved in this whole scenario, right? Ultimate stage mom right here in the gospels. That, you know, that, that parent that just says, how many of you guys coach, by the way? You coach, like, little kids. Does anyone coach little kids? We just need to have a prayer meeting just for you guys because, like, that Clovis Unified parent on the sideline, you just want to say, hey, time out. Your kid is not going to play in college. I'm just letting you know right now. You have my permission to say that. Hey, my pastor said that your kids, hey, you know, I don't know why you're not playing little Johnny. I mean, he's really good and he's listening to all because, anyways, Whatever. He's going to get it. He'll get an orange slice. Don't worry about it. You get a juice box. The mom went to Jesus and said, I want to tell you something. So we see that the mom's involved. The boys are involved. These guys are disciples who, at their very hands, God had brought miraculous healing to people's lives. And yet, this is what they're thinking after three years with Jesus. When he's on his throne, I want to sit at his right. You get to sit on his left. And man, and the mom's just like, and I'll be the, the, the big one in charge. And Jesus lets them know they're seeking greatness. But the greatness they were seeking was, was, was tainted by this world's values, that self-promotion. And it affects the best of us. So they needed Jesus. We need Jesus to redirect our hearts to the ways of his kingdom. Which is this, the way up in his kingdom is actually down. And that will revolutionize our lives when we get it. We learn, like Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive when our hearts are in the right spot. Paul told the church in Galatia, he said, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't let your freedom, uh, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to do what? Serve one another in love. The world seeks position, power, prestige, and honor, but this self-seeking, I'm convinced, is the reason for breakdown in most relationships, especially in marriage, where that humility is missing and that self-focus is primary. There's a, a, a book that was written back in the early '90s, maybe 80, late '80s, but uh, Chuck Miss, Chuck and Nancy Missler, their uh, ministry. Uh, people from Southern California, they were up in Idaho. Chuck wrote a billion books. Well, Nancy wrote a book, and it was about the restoration of her marriage. And the title of the book was called Why Should I Be First to Change? And it was based on the nudging of the Holy Spirit to say, Nancy, I want you to serve your husband. But he's selfish, Nancy, I want you to serve your husband. I want you to put him first in this relationship. I want you to put him above your kids, your little messiahs that you think run around. And she began to actually make moves to actually put her husband first. And and they will testify they won't now. They're both in heaven now. That would be really strange, wouldn't it? And here they are today, ladies and gentlemen, though. They're with God right now in heaven. Both of them passed away. But they had spoken saying that was the beginning of the change in their marriage that brought this Where They actually spoke at marriage retreats all over because of what God had done in their marriage. As she sensed God was calling her to put her husband first. The, the, the song reference, Miss Jackson, that I brought up earlier, here would be a better question. What have I done for them lately? What have I done for my spouse that met her, his or her need? When have I actually, in the last week, month, year, actually consciously made a decision to put their needs above my own? How your team would function different if, as a boss if you and I would take on that role of servant. How God could use you to change lives by willingly laying your life down for the sake of his kingdom by having this kind of mentality. So Jesus says, guys, class is open. Everyone gather around. There's James, John, mom's off to the side. She'd probably say, like, oh, this ain't going to go good. (laughs) Like, boys, you're on your own now. Other disciples are there. They're indignant, you know what I mean? Hands, you know, crossed. Like, I can't believe you guys. What selfish men you are. And so Jesus said to them, hey, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup? Can you be baptized with the same baptism? See this, in their mind, you know, I don't know if they're thinking of like a chalice. Like, oh, yeah, I could lift it and lock solid gold and diamonds all around it. The cup was the cup of suffering. The baptism was a baptism of physical death that Jesus was referring to. And so when they had smiles on their face saying, yeah, we could drink that cup. Yeah, I'll be baptized with that same baptism that you said that you'll be baptized with. Jesus didn't have a smile on his face because he knew it was suffering that was going to come to them simply by the fact that they had said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Every one of the disciples were martyrs. Gave their life up for the sake of the gospel and the, and the, and the, the proclamation of Jesus' resurrection. And the first to die is James. James was beheaded in the book of Acts chapter 12 because of his faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So They have big smiles. Jesus says, no, suffering's coming. But then he says, but to sit at... at it, it, to sit there is not an option for you. It's already been determined. They weren't saying, if it's God's will, uh, Lord, I'd love for you to m- open this door. It was just like, we want you to do for us. It's almost a way sometimes we pray to God, like He's like a, a genie, you know, like, a, all right, here it is. Lord, I got three prayers, wishes I have right now for you. I want you to do exactly what I'm telling you to do, Lord. When the others heard it, they had that indignant, righteous judgment. They were thinking the same thing, too. If you look close within your heart, as I look within my heart, man, we are James and John so often in our lives. What's in it for me? We look at others not as an opportunity to serve, but what we can gain from them or to further our goals or satisfy our desires. But the kingdom of God is so different than the world. You know, in, in the secular world, there's a lot of guys that talk about this stuff. Gary Vee, does anyone listen to who Gary Vee is? He's got a potty mouth. <laughs> He's super smart. He talks about this stuff. If you're a boss, serve your employees. Honor them. It's amazing how people understand when they, when they start to grab a hold of these biblical principles, how it revolutionizes relationships. I don't see people as, oh, what can I gain from them? What can I you know, get out of them? The rulers of this age, Jesus says, they lord it over those who are under them. They see others as an opportunity to gain rather than to serve. But Jesus is very clear. This is not the way of the kingdom. If you want to be chief, if you want to be in charge, then you need how to learn how to serve. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's a calling to serve. That's what ministry is. Ministry that every one of us is called to in life is about serving others and meeting needs. I want you to think about that, this question of why we serve. Of course, we're called to serve, but why would we serve? Why would we give of our time? Why would we sacrifice our lives? Next week, we're going to talk about a lot of practical reasons why we would serve and and reasons why Jesus has even saved us and equipped us to serve. But this morning, we're just going to look at one primary one. And it's the one that actually is the most important. Why you and I would serve is this. Because of the example of Jesus who came to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. See, James and John didn't understand yet, nor the rest of them, as they all desired position and status what they could get from it. They were, they were, they were too big in their own eyes. You know, a lot of times, man, we can, we can get so elevated in our own minds that we, we forget, you know, what it, what it is to actually choose the way of humility I don't mean be humbled have you ever like we've all been humbled in life right when first day of ninth grade year at Clovis West you would think that I'd seen the sign outside of a girl's bathroom before like don't enter this is not your space until recent years and there I am going to the bathroom and I'm like oh my gosh not only am I going to get beat up for just being a freshman, but now I actually went to the girls' bathroom at Clovis West on accident, I should say. We've been someplace where you, you know, you're like talking to someone, you're just feeling it like, oh man, this is a great conversation. You get in your car and you look out your tooth. You went to Chipotle and there's like a, a, like a black bean that took over your whole mouth. <laughs> new caps, just tell them. It's like the new thing. I don't know if you've had this yet, but it's Chipotle, they have it out. We've been humbled, but to choose to actually do it. You see, they were too big in their own eyes. This is a position that's for us. We're actually more elevated than Peter and some of the other fellas. But you can't be used by God in ministry. You will never be used by God to touch another person's life if you're too big in your own eyes. God uses those who actually walk in humility. You might feel like I don't have a lot to offer. You feel like you might be small in your own eyes. But you can never be too small for God to use. But you can be too big. Some people felt like they were too important for that task. And so they would elevate themselves. Here at RVC, I love our crew. Our our crew, do we have any crew guys here this morning right now? You're like a part of our crew. We have so many serve teams available. We'll talk about them next Sunday. But if you're on our crew, you like show up here at 7 a.m., you show up here at 7:30 a.m. You pull a trailer. Do do did you? Are you sleeping? They're sleeping right now. There we go. There we go. We got one back there. We got one. We got one over there. I see that hand. I see that hand. Dusty's husband Matt runs that whole crew. You know what's crazy about our crew is these guys are all are all in in roles in medical field, law enforcement, business owners, education. They all have people that work underneath them. When they show up here, they're a mule. They, they, they carry loads to set stuff up. All the chairs that you sit in, all the stuff going on in kids' ministry, all the stuff outside, and all of our serve teams, it just amazes me that they do it with joy. And, and outside of one, they say, hey, don't take my picture. No, I'm just kidding. There's not even one that does that. It's just like serve. And it's such a blessing to see that do it really because of just a love for Jesus Christ. And all of our teams are in that, in that category. A lot of people see serving outside of church as just a way to get recognized and important. One young man went to his church and said, the Lord is calling me into ministry. And so the associate pastor said, that is such good news, follow me. And he followed him out to the closet and he gave him a broom and said, hey, sweep all these sidewalks before Bible study tonight. Welcome to the ministry. And he was like, well, man, I, I, I need a microphone. I got some preaching to do. The, the reality is, that's what ministry is. That's what serving is. What's needed? What does your spouse need? What does your aging parent need? What does your coworkers need? What does your, your, your coach need? When we talk to our young people, say, hey, listen, if your coach has got 48 little, you know, uh, what do you call those, pylons, you know, those little cones, those little orange cones, you know what I mean? He ain't making 100 grand being your coach. This is all volunteer, right? Help him pick him up. Carry that bag. You see somebody at work who's got a load they're carrying in from the weekend back to work, man, run out there. See if you can help them. It's just crazy how just saying, God, I, I can do and I can be anything that you need me to be and do. And having that kind of heart, it just revolutionizes life. It's about being a servant the word minister you know we we live in, in in the last century or so in a in a time where we lift up ministers like like oh my gosh this pastor's this and this pastor's that and 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 it's it, it's in my profession but the word minister literally means servant to just serve with your time to serve with your life of which something all of us have been called to do and be jesus says my church doesn't operate like the world Humble service is the only prerequisite for greatness. And another moment with the disciples after this one. He was with his disciples. We read in John's gospel that he was, this is now, we're hours away from him being betrayed. We're a day away from him actually suffering on the cross and giving up his life for the sins of the world, absorbing all of God's wrath for the sins of the world. And it says that, it was there at the, you know, during the time of the Last Supper that Jesus laid off his outer garment. He put on the towel of a servant that was reserved for the lowest servant in the midst. And it tells us in John's Gospel, chapter 13, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked them, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord And you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. He says, I'm your example to follow. Why take on that role of a servant in your life right now? One primary reason because Jesus, your Savior, gave you an example of what it means to serve. It will change the way your life operates, the people around you. Paul tells us that Jesus is the example to follow in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8. He says this Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form... He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Paul says that to, to be a servant like Jesus, you need to have the mindset that Jesus had. Have this mind in yourselves. Being a servant like Jesus it requires some of the things that Paul talks about. Number one, it requires humility, it requires the ability to be humble. It requires obedience. It requires sacrifice and commitment. Humility is an attitude that you and I have where we, as Paul said, consider others as better than yourself. This is not about putting yourself down. This is not berating yourself. Oh, you're so dumb. You're so weak. You're this. It's actually about just lifting other people up. I love what C.S. Lewis said about humility. He said true humility Is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and thinking about other people more and putting their needs. It's expressed when you and I put others first. It requires obedience. That's a choice that you and I make to act and to serve. Jesus calls you and I to serve. He says, you saw me wash your feet. That's how I want you to treat other people. You, you see that I've not come to be served, but have actually come to actually wait on others and to serve humanity and to give my life as a ransom for many. The call Paul gave us in Romans 12 is to lay our lives down, our bodies down as a living sacrifice. It is pleasing to God and it's our reasonable worship. That's a decision that you and I make to either choose to obey God or to not. But it takes obedience, even as it did in the life of Jesus, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. That he was obedient to God when he humbled himself and died a sinner's death on the cross. Obedience. Paul said earlier, we talked Galatians 5.13. Serve one another in love. That's a command that you and I have. This is not; These aren't like optional things, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you, you may or may not want to serve your spouse. Let's, let's add that to the, um, to the vows. <laughs> I may or may not want to love you as Christ loved the church. I may or may not want to, like, you know, respect you. Wouldn't it be great if we could actually, like, like the, no, that's a whole different sermon. Never mind. I'm not going to do it. I'm just thinking, like, you know, like, like what real vows would look like <laughs> if we just continue to live selfishly. But we'll do it another Sunday. Serve one another. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us in in verse 8 and 9 that you and I are saved not because we're great, you're saved by grace, by your simple faith in Jesus Christ. But then he goes on and he talks about one of the reasons why we serve, by the way, is because we are saved to serve. He says in in chapter 2, verse 10, he said, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. That's a step of obedience. God shows you an opportunity and you can choose to say, God, I will humbly meet this need or actually will be self-focused and not meet this need. It takes sacrifice. As Jesus took on the form of a servant, he laid aside his divine privileges. You sacrifice your time when you serve other people. You sacrifice your resources. You sacrifice your body as you willingly lay down your life as a living sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to be a, a servant. You sacrifice your own wants. Show of hands. Those of you that are married right now, it, it, it kind of like rocks your selfish world, doesn't it? Can we just get a show of hands? Babe, you could raise your hand. I'm not embarrassed right now. <laughs> it's like you get married you just go like, oh, it's going to be fun. All these gifts from Gottschalks. That's, that's what we got. So all you with Amazon, man, you have no idea how rough it was back in the day. We had like wine stocks and gotchocks, maybe Montgomery Wards, right? Where'd you, where'd you get registered at? No, we didn't have Pottery Barn, okay? This is just stuff I'm getting. These are things that just take me off about life. But you get confronted that you're a selfish human being. One of the first Saturdays we were married, I did what I always did. I had to get 40 grams of protein in to feed my muscles, tissue, and I had to get enough carbs in to fuel my workouts later on, okay? It was like, eat food, workout, and now I'm married. And my wife just humbly just watched me just make this beautiful breakfast for myself. And I was just like going, like, are you, are you not going to eat? Do you not need any protein? Do you, you know what I mean? It's just like, a, wow, what a lovely meal you made for yourself. 27 years later, who made your breakfast this week, babe? Thank you very much. I'm like an algorithm for marriage. You know what I mean? I (laughs) learned. Learned. Learned well. You got to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice. You want your relationships to go well? You might think like, oh, he's trying to like throw a curveball. This is about serving at church next Sunday. No, next Sunday we'll talk about that. This is about you being a follower of Jesus Christ and how it will improve your life when you actually say, God, I've been freed to give my life in service to other people. And you'll find, like Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It takes humility, obedience, sacrifice, and commitment. It gets tiring to continue to be committed. to This is exactly what Jesus was to his disciples. It's what he calls you and I to do. It's, we're, we have this all in with them, with people that God calls us to serve. Ministries God calls us to serve in. In Galatians 6 it says, So let us not get tired of doing what is good. Speaking of good deeds and good works. At just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The blessing to see life change. The blessing to see other people see the image of Jesus in your life as you just walk around and you serve humanity. The rewards that you and I get, as Jesus tells us in in John's gospel, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. How do you get blessed by God? By doing the things that he calls you to do. A step of obedience. Wondering, "What, what is God's will for my life? Do the next visible thing that he's calling you to do, and you'll find that you'll know what God calls you to do in life. It's hard to steer a parked car. Do the next thing that God's calling you to do, to serve and to give of your life. You get rewarded from the Lord one day in heaven. As your life of obedience, you get rewarded. as we, we, we see Paul talk about the Bema Seat or the, the judgment seat of Christ where you actually be rewarded for the things that you've done for his name and in his kingdom. But you also get the reward of knowing that you're being used by the Lord. You're you're easing somebody else's burden. Somebody in your life could just use a, a little hand up right now. A little help out. And that little tiny effort can make such a huge difference in their life. You remind someone that God loves them in some very practical way that you can actually serve them. Little things. Like just being kind and helping... Somebody, you know, hold the door open for somebody, or helping a co as I mentioned earlier, carry a load out from their car, or picking something up for your spouse that you know that they mentioned earlier in the week. If you hold a place of authority, you're a boss, what an opportunity you have to serve those under you. If you're an athlete, to serve your coach and your fellow teammates. If you're a student, to serve your teacher in some way to help out. Being a servant. If you're the child of a, an aging parent. How many, how many, do you have it? is yours as stubborn as my mom is? Like, mom, we want to help you out. No, I'm going camping by myself. Mom, you shouldn't be driving right now. If you see her, call the police. Like, we really want to help you out. Like, man, if you've ever, this, never mind, that's a whole, I'm going to do a sermon, Dixie Lou Hall one day. Talk about all the stubborn things of my mom. Doing things that don't always feel good doing. This is just, I'm going to let you in on, here's a, here's a real Gordon Hall. Ready for this? I got three older brothers. We're all on text message. And when something happens with my mom or something's going on, I know they all wait to see if I respond first. And my oldest brother, he's the worst. <laughs> see, that, I just let you in. And guess what? I got my phone, too, going like, oh, somebody step up. Just so you know, you can pray for me. I'm a selfish man. We're all still waiting for someone to respond to my mom's text a week. and I'm just kidding. (laughs) They're like, you're a horrible human being. And when I do, just so you know, I want them to all know. So I let them know, hey, don't worry. I took mom to the doctor to get her cast off. I'm not looking for Jesus for that stuff. I'm just looking for my brothers to acknowledge that I'm actually the best among all of them. Right? That's not for Jesus. I just want, you know what I mean, Thanksgiving? I want them to all look at me like, dude, what would we do without you? I'm like, thank you, okay? <laughs> There's a lot of Jesus got to get more in here. At your church, you see a problem, maybe you're the solution. You serve At RVC, to know, man, you are a part of life change. We had a team leader meeting. All volunteers running our our teams right now on Sunday morning. Such a blessing. Such an amazing thing. And I had Hannah share just about her story. Hannah's um, our executive assistant. She runs basically RVC. You see Hannah running around here. Hannah's married to our drummer, so major bonus score on that one. Daniel and Hannah... They were just friends. Daniel lived up in Portland, Oregon. Hannah grew up with a little Catholic background, and, uh, and she came to RVC one Sunday morning. This is about four or five years ago. And totally, like, you, if you go to church on a consistent basis, like, you have forgotten what it feels like to go to a group of strangers at a school that you don't even know, like, do I have to stand up? Do I have to recite something in Latin? She had no idea what she was supposed to do. And then for her to share, I said, Hannah, what was, the, what, was, what was my sermon about, right? No clue. Do you remember the worship songs we did? Nothing. Hannah, what was the most impactful thing that happened? For one, she felt welcomed and embraced by you. And she said, the next time I came, Lyle remembered her name and said, hey, Hannah, how are you doing? And she was just blown away. We all know Lyle and Sandy. Lyle and Sandy have been here from day one, almost day one. They've been here for, they're like a fixture here at RVC. I'm not going to ask you to remember everybody's name now, Lyle, okay? (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And a few weeks later, in our service, responds and invites Jesus Christ into her life and then gets baptized and then comes on staff. That was so impactful. I thought to myself, like, what you and I do here, now this is that curveball I just threw. I said I wasn't going to do it, did I? Impacts lives. And we think, oh, just set up and we just did the kids and we did our cafe and we did this and gee, I could be an usher, I could jump on a serve team and it's going to, this is not a fair at your kid's school. This is not, did you guys gain enough money for, you know, your school to buy, you know, a Tesla for the principal. Pope's Unified. This is about eternal life and eternal death. This is about people coming out of darkness into the marvelous light of the Lord by simply saying, I want to I serve with my time here, out there, in your community, Hey, why do you do what you do? Hey, thanks for helping me out. Man, you know what? God has just done so, much, so many great things for my life. Man, I just feel like that the only thing I could do is just give back because of what God has done. It's amazing how that will actually revolutionize relationships and all the people that are around you and you can have an impact. Remember why you are serving humanity, serving your family, serving your team, serving your coworkers, serving even at your church. It's because your servant savior, Jesus, came to give you an example as one who wasn't served but came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And he calls us to walk like him before an audience of one. Next week, we are going to talk about serve teams and opportunities. Three times a year, we like to have what we call an on-ramp where you can find out information about how you can be a part of life change and being a part of helping others know Jesus and helping RVC make him known. It takes the body of Christ coming together to make that a reality. Hearts of servants that desire to be poured out for others. But it begins at home. It begins with the people that are closest to you. Easy to, for, you know, for us to go and serve our buddy who needs some help on a project, but maybe your spouse needs some, some help. And you say, oh, I don't want to do that. Easy to go serve on the mission field when you're a teenager but actually not have a servant's heart at home. It's got to start at our house, right? How others see us, treat those closest to us. Yes, we want you to serve at your church, but you have to have the heart of a servant that's displayed Monday through Saturday too. And the worst thing possible is for folks and children to see us serving in ministry with no heart to be a servant at home how many tens of thousands of people have rejected christianity because they saw their dad or grandpa on a deacon board but he was a total jackwagon to his wife and kids it starts there it starts there our prayer today is god help us to seek to be great in your kingdom god help us to see that the way up is really down Ask some questions today in your own heart. Do you look at people with what you can get out of them? What would those closest to you say about your life? Would they categorize me or you as one who serves because Jesus calls us to do that? Or would they categorize us as someone who actually does things for other people so that we can actually be recognized and receive praise? Oh, what a marvelous servant he is. If that's where you find your heart, you know the great thing about God? He already knows. He didn't, you know, like scold his disciples. He redirected their hearts to the way of his kingdom. And that's what we say, God, we want you to do that in our lives every single week when we gather. Here's the next step for you to take. I would love for you to memorize with me this week, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man has come... Not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. On your connection card, we actually have next steps for you to take with us. I'd like to know who's actually taking a step of faith and saying, hey, I'll memorize it this week. I want to get that in my mind, and I want to get that in my heart as well. It might be you want to find out information about how you could serve here at your church. Or maybe you're here this morning and we're talking about this servant Savior who came to serve humanity, give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to this planet, gang, His teachings are amazing, the way he loved and the way he served humanity. He's the greatest human to ever live, but his teachings don't save us. It was his sacrificial death on the cross that saves us. Maybe for you, your next step is to actually surrender your heart to the servant savior who gave his life for you on the cross so that you could have your sins forgiven. You could begin a relationship with God. You could have your guilt and your sin completely removed and begin a journey with your creator that will lead you into eternal life with him forever in heaven. Maybe today's that day you're going to say, I'm going to drop my pride. I'm going to admit to God that I'm a guilty sinner with the rest of humanity. I'm going to ask him to come into my life, make me a new person. If that's you, we want to give you an opportunity to do that as we do every every single week. Maybe you need prayer this morning. There's tables on each side, people ready to serve you and pray with you and uphold you this morning. If you need some God, to do a work in your life. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your grace, your love. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this incredible passage about who you are, what you come to do. You came to give your life as a ransom for us. Lord, none of us could have ever earned the right to be in your kingdom. Lord, we couldn't cancel out our sin. There's no amount of good things that we could ever do to earn your love or favor. Lord, all of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory, your word tells us. There is none who is righteous, no, not one. And yet you willingly went to the cross, because you love us, to take care of our sin, to remove it from our lives, to cover our guilt and shame. We will forever be grateful for that. Lord, we forever want to have a servant's heart because of that. I pray also that you will bless relationships right now hard to serve when you're frustrated with a friend or a co-worker or a spouse. But Father, would you help us to dig deep because of our love for you and to start serving. I pray you'd repair a relationship with that heart of a servant